Hello, 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 hello. It's episode 265 from Pixels to Playtime. My name is Stephen. I'm joined by my friends Paul and Rob. Hello, Paul and Rob. Hello, Stephen and Rob. Who ganned it for an evening? <laughs> oh, it's so lucky. Everyone, it's very nice to see you all today. It is Robert, and I'm here talking to you from Cape Town, South Africa. We are extra special South African tonight because guess what? The world champions of rugby, the Springboks, have defeated the Wallabies in Australia for the first time in nine years. It's worth celebrate, celebrating. celebrating. The scoreline was 24 to 8. Like oh, those like losers. My voice isn't like that because I've been screaming the national anthem at the top of my lungs. It's so. because I went to a toy fair last weekend hmm. and came away with very few toys, but a case of the uh, flu. Oh, and a whole bunch of people that you cucked out. Oh, <laughs> Clearly. <my. laughs> Clearly. Well, you cross with a lot of people. You're shouting at everybody. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just, I mean, look, the pandemic has made us all very aware of, like, our personal space and stuff. Like, I just don't get exposure to all the other bugs and viruses anymore. So, mm. yeah, it was an absolute Petri dish. Kim walked onto the, the, the convention floor, the toy fair floor, for, like, Concrete. approximately three seconds with Elliot yeah. before realizing... No, 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 no way. We're going to play outside rather. <laughs> so I, I walked this floor. Look, guys, it was a pretty cool toy fair. Nice. And we'll get it, wow. we can get into that perhaps at the back end of the show when we get into nice. our new shit section. <laughs> you said back but um, yeah, look, <laughs> I don't think it's Rona. Um, My I, Corona. Sharing a household with Kim Jabba, MD means that i get ratted a lot like I, the amount of times i've had been violated with a bloody cotton swab in my nostril no fun man. <laughs> swabbing my brains out so yeah we've declined to do it this time ignorance is bliss because if i have covid means she can't go to work means you know ain't no bread on the table so yeah you'll just have to endure me and my very very broken voice oh <laughs> i pity you guys i'm very glad <laughs> I'm very glad that you don't live with Doogie Hauser. Hell yeah. Because then you might be exposed to some very crazy sicknesses. Exactly. If you guys and he was ever a watched child. an episode of that show. What a crazy boy. But uh, well, how are you doing, Paul? How's, how's, how's your week been? Okay, so... Duh, oh, wow. It's been crazy. That, was... <laughs> <laughs> that was quite a <laughs> sigh. That sums it up. Yo. No, guys, it's uh, it's been busy. I mean, duh. Uh, this one just had a special spicy, busy flavor because we received new stock um, for Gunpla SA and uh, we're prepping for, because I can finally say it now, uh, SA Comic Con or Comic Con Africa, uh, yeah. which is actually the correct uh, thing. So we also got in, we all, oh, we had to do a whole bunch of uh, social media activations and stuff and briefings and all kinds of mad stuff. And then today, as part of all of that, we did a... And this is actually really cool. It's just I'm um, just super tired from everything from the week. But uh, we do these things called um, a build meet, uh, where a whole bunch of guys come together and we all like sit and talk shit and build Gundam kits and whatever. Whoa. And we did the first official one today, um, and there was like a huge um, magic 
the gathering uh, launch that happened upstairs today at the at the venue, and it's just been it's like I was at a convention today. That's how I feel. So I'm my goodness being a little hammered, my guys. I'm I hope you don't get sick. But it sounds like we were all busy today. So my comic book shop was celebrating a huge anniversary. So I was also surrounded by the thirtieth throng of people. Thirty years they've been open, and open for I 30 years. realized today that I've worked for them this year in December for ten years. So My I've been God. working for them for a third of that time, but shopping with them probably for 26, seven years in total, I think. Wow, dude. Yeah. Wow. It's wild. Well, hopefully, I hope uh, Stephen is the only one who gets sick. Paul, uh, stay stay safe. Robert, stay safe. I will. Thank <sighs> you, Robert. Dude, I'm actually exposed to, uh, <laughs> because I mean, I take the kids in the morning. That's how my Saturday starts off, as I take the kids for Kung Fu in the morning. And you know, they ah, come with all kinds of so you're constantly fun... exposed to stuff. Yeah, so I'm yeah, so I mean I've had a bit of a you know a bit of a lurgy here and there, but I've been but strong thankfully, for the most part. Nothing too you know? bad. But Think talking about exposure, where's the topic tonight? Um, <laughs> I thought you'd so... never ask. <laughs> Playing with the Joes in the nude. <laughs> well, guys, our I suppose generation of GI Joe fans were heavily influenced by video games. Mm. And mm -hmm. I wanted to have the three of us discuss our key influences. For me, they're going to be the very earliest, like Nintendo 8-bit influences to my playtimes. But, uh, you know, if you guys want to go wild and, and get into the, the 3D era, the PlayStation era and beyond, go for it. But, yeah, I, I think platforming had a huge to do with the way I played with my action figures, particularly the Ninja action figures. So we're going to talk a little bit about Pixels to Playtime, boys. Pixels yeah. to Playtimes. And if you're listening to this podcast on your podcatchers or watching the YouTube version, jump down in the YouTube comment section and let us know what your key influences were. Because in many respects, like video game gaming, video gaming, <laughs> this is going to be challenging. <laughs> you guys might have to pick up the slack. Um Video gaming but, was, was a huge influence. No, for sure. I mean, video games was just coming out. Even if you didn't own the latest consoles, um, there were lots of bootleg systems out there. And mm. I had a lot of access to many of the NES games and I, I suppose the Sega games off um, bootleg. Um, yeah. Like the bootleg systems everywhere. And everywhere um, so instead of getting one game on your, on, your, on your cartridge, you got like... Well, they claim 129, 127, 800 games. And basically it was like, you know, 12 games, but like part one and part two. And it was repeated over and over again. Um, yeah, so we were definitely, we had access to dozens of games for very little money. And, and well, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that like we were second generation gamers getting mm -hmm. into the first generation stuff. So yeah. but what I mean by that was like when we got cartridges, there were already the Chinese knockoffs of stuff that happened a decade earlier like exactly. in Japan and the United States. <laughs> so like getting <laughs> one cartridge that had 150 game, games in one, that was quite a common thing for us. So mm. we were spoiled for choice, but there were all the kind of rudimentary like Puyan and Binary mm. World and Arctic Adventure. But amongst those like rather banal games was something that I found very 
very atmospheric Girls and it and had a very evocative name no no <laughs> i don't know did you guys did you find on those 150 in ones did you find anything called cage kage kage well, yeah that's it that's how you pronounce it it's shadow in japanese oh, really? kage. Interesting. yeah legend of the kage legend of cage legend of the shadow <laughs> well legend I of cage didn't... actually no i do recognize this... this but i don't think i played it much it was a ninja platformer so cool, it was very atmospheric it had this forest setting where you were jumping from treetop to treetop and falling in a very floaty fashion while in the background you had flashes of lightning ninjas no, descending from trees you were throwing <laughs> shuriken and wagging this very sharp well it was a white pixelated stick or two but i suppose there were <laughs> there were wakizashi and and um, yeah that's exactly what they were nice dude <laughs> well dude this gave us insight into how we could play with our Ninja Force action figures. Storm Shadow, Quick Kick, all of them, the exciting martial artists in the G.I. Joe toy line. This is how you did it. And what I realized now after the fact, you know, with hindsight, is that this was a platformer interpretation of like Hong Kong wirework chop socky films. Mm. Just the way the characters moved and sort of floated through the air had that wire work almost flying um, physics to it, which totally informed the way I would play with my action figures. It was so much more exciting for them to have this enormous hang time and be able to do combat in midair, it seemed. They weren't flying. They weren't imbued with superpowers. They were just short of that. And yet they were so much more potent as fighters than the typical like ground-based gun wielding green shirted um gi joe fig <laughs> so it's yeah set the i think ninjas i apart. definitely see the ninja influence in in the game i mean the movement is very fluid i think and the way that they do jump around and move in the game is very yeah it's very uh i want to say poetic but i i, I suppose ballet i like that word be, as a, be, yeah Poetic, more, uh, more balletic. than poetic. Balletic, it's, yeah, it's kind of very fluid movement. And they do move around a lot more than, say, yeah, a normal soldier would. And hello, good evening to everyone in the chat. Um, yeah, joining guys. us live in the Joburg Force. Um, a special shout out to Chasing 80s Toys, who's going for dinner soon. I hope you have a good dinner. Santara is here with us. Bob Squad. Uh, Mark Van Leeuwen. Mark Van Leeuwen. Matthew Comstock, as always. Uh, apparently... Bob is very upset that we're not actually going to be playing nude with our toys, but maybe next episode. Oh, uh, I might be hey, naked. Who's to say I'm not naked right too. now? <laughs> if, if we, we don't know. I mean, you know, you sound very sick, so you must be naked. Buy a lot of you. Just to double check, you guys, guys did get my screen share, right? Yes, indeed, we did. For of the, the cool video of YouTube, the Legend of the Kage going down. Yeah. You see yeah, Legend man. of the Cage, which is, in fact, not the 1988 movie Cage starring Lou Ferrigno and Reb Brown, <laughs> which I have not seen. Uh, Zantara, you're going to have to tell me more about this. So, so that's my first influence to the way I used to play, guys. How about very you? Very nice. Paul, you want to crack one open? 
pull. I, I'm going to crack one open. So, Legend of the Kage is definitely one of those games that, like, uh, was quite influential for me as well when I was quite young. Um, it was one of the cooler games on those multi-cards. Uh, this is something that uh, I played quite a lot when I was younger. Most notable, I actually played this more on a console called the TurboGrafx-16. Um, the Japanese version I played on was known as the PC Engine. And it is what I used to call then Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> um, now you see, ninja- you're totally fancy. Because we never had anything this cool on our 150s in ones. <laughs> yeah. We were so never. lucky. Uh, okay, I was so lucky in that I was positioned in the right place. Um, because Northgate had just opened. You know, it was like a new mall. And my uh, prior to Northgate opening, my parents had got me my first nest. I had just turned six. Um, and, oh, actually, no, I lie. I, I turned six, and my first games were like Ghosts and Goblins and Tiger Heli. And then I got something else called B-Wings and Excite Bike later. And then, you know, and then I like played a few odd games here and there that, like, you know, came through to the house that people brought and whatever. But this game... Uh, was there because they had opened an, a really awesome game shop inside um, Northgate. And they had only the finest uh, knockoff uh, NES games or Famicom games, if you prefer, uh, there. So we had lots of cool stuff to choose from. However, this particular title came into my life because David had moved across the road, as many of you guys know, as you've heard me say on multiple episodes. Um, and yeah, he had Ninja Gaiden which is what it's actually called. And I love the crap out of this game. And because you could jump off walls, you could like hook onto walls and it had a great soundtrack. And, you know, you fought against things like football players and soldiers and like bugs and that fucking bird. Um, And it was great. It was like such a major influence in my G.I. Joe play because... I used to run around with my G.I. Joes and make them do all kinds of ninja flips and stuff, regardless whether they were ninjas or not. <laughs> and this was, I had this pre-Ninja ninja Force. So, yeah, my dudes were flipping and they were hooking on the walls and I would have them like, I, I used to, and I still do it. I still like to uh, try to get my guys to like hook on something and hold a machine gun, you know, or a sword or something. And that's all thanks to Ninja Gaiden. Because how cool is it that you could just stick like a knife in a G.I. Joe's hand? Um, oh, God, I know. I've just realized who I'm talking to. Steve did this amazing video, guys. And if you haven't joined the YouTube um, subscription service or whatever the YouTube membership, Steve does these cool little vlogs. And yeah, there's one that you did quite recently, dude, or two that you've done recently that are very much like how I used to play with my GI Joes as a kid. Because I was by myself a lot, you know. So I'd also run around the house going. Killing invisible things every now and then, throwing up something for them to cut. Take that ninja turtle. It was good times. And also this game is tough as balls. (laughs) This game is tough as nuts, man. My god. Ninja Gaiden, guys, if you want a really cool, challenging game that's actually very well balanced, very fair, play Ninja Gaiden. But I think that was me also trying to play the game when I couldn't play the game. Because, you know, I'm sure you guys had the same uh, challenge when you were kids. Mom, uh, dad wants to watch the rugby, so you can't play games because that's the only TV in the house. <laughs> so, you know, mom wants to watch her stories, you know. So when I couldn't play this game, I was playing this game all over the house. And this is one of, this is one of the games that uh, uh, influenced me, but I'm going to save the next one for 
after we go around the table. So, Robbie, what games inspired mm -hmm. your play, my guy? Paul, which action mm -hmm. figure was your Ninja Gaiden stand-in? I used to love my Snake Eyes, my Black Snake Eyes, because that that's all I had, you know, the um, 88 version. 89. 89, keep doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, the 89 <laughs> Snake Eyes, he was great for that. Another figure that was good for that was literally anybody with a helmet was a ninja for me, man. Anybody. Anybody who had a helmet or you couldn't see their face, they were ninjas. Flag Vipers, ninjas. Incinerators, ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. In this case, I don't know if I used an incinerator then because it was before uh, Ninja Force. So I had like a fair... My, oh, a target, man. <laughs> like target. Yeah, if you couldn't see their faces... They were ninjas. That's just how it worked. They were either ninjas or robots. So that, that's how that used to go down for me. Man, I can do Targat to ninja in like two steps. Because Targat was repurposed as Street Hawk in India. And you yes. know ninjas love motorcycles. So <laughs> there you go. Motorcycle ninja. Absolutely. All of them sit mm. on their motorcycles, don't they? <laughs> the Kawasaki Robbie, Ninja. Your turn. Brother. Okay, so... My ones are, are kind of like very, I suppose, tangential um, because I don't think there were any games, at least before I met Steven, because I think there are a lot of games after I met Steven um, on these systems that I played. Um, so it's more tangential in like the concepts more than it was the actual like gameplay. So the main one, um, or one that I'll mention, is one called Battle City, which was mm. a tank game. Um, no. I've never seen the, uh, the the box art before because obviously this is all inside um, you know one single game system. Um, yeah, but it's 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 evocative. I mean, it's amazing how much the, they could suggest from the from the cover art for these games. Um, you know, with with a guy kind of sitting on the tank and he's bashing <laughs> through a wall, and it's like this is definitely the gameplay. It's um oh. it's definitely. Not the gameplay. <laughs> it looks absolutely nothing like the game that you would be playing, uh, in which you would control a tank and you have to uh, guard essentially your bird or phoenix base. Yeah, your um, bird. From, from... <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly what we called it, the bird. The bird from, <laughs> from, get our bird. from enemy tank attacks. Um, and there's, there's various terrain. There's destroyable walls in the game. Um, and depending on the tanks that you're fighting, you would get power-ups, which would allow you to destroy um, them easier or to create like cool like brick wall around, not a brick, like, like a steel wall around your base temporarily um, for you to shoot better. So there are many power-ups in the game. And I think what this kind of taught me more than anything else was more like the concept of, of tactics and having, you know, you have these waves of enemies coming down at you and, and, having to deal with different types of terrain. And I mean, there's also like uh, bushes with, where the tanks were just foliage. Yeah. Where they would like, kind of like yeah. hide behind you. You wouldn't know exactly where they were. And I think it's more like the idea of like, how do you navigate these zones than yeah. anything else? So I think that's why I'm like, it's more tangential. So I don't have like games that directly, directly, I think influence early gameplay of mine, um, or at least like toy play. It's more like very tangential where it's kind of like the concept um, of, of, of tactics or strategy. You know, you know, creating your own passageways to get behind the tanks, making sure they can't get to you, when to use the power-ups. Um, but I definitely, it was one of the games I played an absolute ton um, on the early system that I had. My, and on the my multiple cards, they always called the tank. Yeah, it was called tank or super tank, I believe. Or well, super tank, um, yeah. And also, guys... 
and for the uh listeners just so that you uh, just to put you guys in in perspective as well these knockoff games uh they were very careful with stepping around licenses and things so a lot of the times mm. when you saw the, the title screen you would very seldom get the actual name of the game in the title screen it'll just say player one player two yeah player one, that was player it. Two. so yeah and, i mean that's we, we, even yeah. just seeing i mean battle suits on the screenshots that i found that is not something you would see um, yeah, they would obviously like yeah they get rid of that to just be player one player two. That's why they could fill it up with a hundred games because essentially just seven or eight or nine of the same game over and over again. Yeah, um, but this was definitely with different one of the ones like that kind hacks of, sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of like got me into like the idea of tanks and like, um, like a tank that shoots vehicle play and just the idea of the, how the terrain kind of affected things differently and playing inside an area was more interesting. Than, than playing outside, I guess. Um, so it's more of a tangential thing that is a direct influence on how I played gaming. I think definitely my second one, um, uh-huh. which is a game that I, I picked up before uh, meeting Steven. Because Steven, unfortunately, I, I mean, I'm so young that basically everything I ever played from then, it, I mean, we probably shared it all. Um, or at least I played a lot of games that I think influenced a lot more. But these are definitely ones that influenced me before meeting Steven. But Steven... What's another game that got your your juices flowing? Well, I'm glad you cracked open the top-down vehicle-based gaming with uh, Tank or Battle City because I wanted to talk a little bit about, firstly, a little game called Jackal. Now, Jackal <laughs> was... I mean, it's absolutely a dead ringer for G.I. Joe. It's two vamps, uh, you know, a green one, and a tan one rampaging through this various varied kind of war zones, just laying waste to everything, rescuing hostages, heading to an LZ and getting them picked up by, by a helicopter. (laughs) You had plenty of firepower, machine guns, uh, grenades, rocket launchers. Like, if you had a G.I. Joe vehicle at all, this was how you were supposed to play with them. Because this essentially is the way you would view your toy. You'd be standing or kneeling above the vehicle, manipulating it over the landscape. And these are the types of activities you could be involved in. Taking out an enemy base, rescuing hostages, getting them to safety, taking on massive odds like big bosses, a David and Goliath situation where your little Jeep has to destroy massive tanks. But this actually isn't the game that I wanted to show focus on because it was preceded by another game so called, bad. no, I'm Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Whoa. Oh, yes. The, now, ooh, I'm actually very curious to see which one, which turtles. The first <laughs> one, of course. The very first ever. Oh, no, not that but one. That's why I'm curious, because I I know some people... Oh, I look for Yana Commander. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. That's what's supposed <laughs> to be. Different it's people... It's mixed. Because of, because of the, the nature of knockoffs in this country, a lot of people don't refer to... Okay, so you actually have the first one. Because a lot of guys in this country get confused about the first one, thinking that the first one's the beat-em-up. Well, this yeah. was the one that was on like the <clears throat> the twenty three and ones and stuff. Mm. Wow! Yeah, so this was the one that was one. nice, absolutely yeah, commonplace. <laughs> yeah, well, my friend had the best. Like there were one hundred and fifty games and no repeats. That was ridiculous. That's, yeah, those incredible. Were the best ones yeah. to be able to get. So this was 
buried in there somewhere. And when we discovered it, we were like, what? This is the Ninja Turtles? This is amazing. An actual like toy and cartoon franchise in a video game. Like this is not some Hong Kong bullshit. This is a real thing. But what was so significant about uh, this game was it had multiple modes of play. So what I'm showing in the YouTube version right now is you are driving the turtle wagon around a top-down landscape. And then you'd go into buildings and you'd switch to a platformer. So this gave you an idea of how you could integrate not only vehicles of the G.I. Joe line, but other lines too, like mm. Micro Machines, Hot Wheels. Ooh, I'm so glad you mentioned Micro Machines. Yeah. Ring Raiders. Any kind of multi-scale play was this. This is the game that gave you license to do that. You could switch out from being now. Don't forget that we had a couple of Transformers at that stage. They had very cool alt modes. But if you didn't want to play a dedicated Transformers game, game and you wanted to <laughs> shut up about the game, we don't want to talk about that. But if you wanted to play with your action figures and have a, them jump into a cool jet, well, you need. You need to look any further than your Transformers collection. So a game like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, with its multi-mode kind of play, gameplay, as I say, gave you the license to do that in your gaming. All of a sudden, these various avenues of playing, where you'd switch from a zoomed-out jet battle with your Ring Raiders, to then all of a sudden bailing out and being your ace action figure on the ground. I'm so glad you did that, that became, too, dude. Yeah, dude, we did it plenty. Yeah, in fact, I'm so glad one you, of these yeah. days, Rob and I are going to burden the listenership by talking about Rojo Gundam. <laughs> we called it that. Rojo Gundam. And guess which three toy lines were integrated in that? Three distinct scales. <laughs> but, oh, so much fun. Wow. Anyway, that's uh, about as much as I'm going to murder your ears with my croaky voice for now <laughs> well dude uh it's cool that you mentioned that because the game i also was very heavily inspired by um is also jackal and i used to do exactly what you did because i didn't have any joe vehicles save for the warthog um and so i had to pretend that i had gi joe jeeps but i did have a cool little army jeep from the micro machines line so i used to do exactly this i'd like I'd zoom down to like this like little jeep and I'd like roll around and pretend I was driving over dudes and shooting guys and whatever's out of the jeep and then you know when my guys got out then I'd zoom back into the figures and then like you know shooting each other and that would follow either one of these um, types of play styles so especially if I wasn't going into like the whole running around ninja thing I would invoke a little bit of contra contra uh, and mm-hmm. Yeah, my guys would be like, just, you know, I'd just pop up dudes and they'd be like pop up targets. And my guys would be like, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and then they jump back in the Jeep and go, and drive like around one of my micro machines, mini cities or some crap. And then like start up shit somewhere else in a new neighborhood. Oh, good times, man. Like totally, totally did all of that stuff that you mentioned as well. And uh, just to like add... Uh, a little bit of a, a laugh as well. And I've said this to be uh, before, but there are some new members of the Berg Force who must, might appreciate this. Once again, knockoff cartridges for the NES were a very special treasure because a lot of the times we got the Japanese uh, cover art because uh, these games were knockoffs of the Famicom games. 
So we very seldom got the English version of the Ninja Turtles, etc., etc. Uh, and uh, Jackal on mine, because they're trying to avoid the copyright, they had completely like drawn over the name Jackal on the mm -hmm. cartridge. Japanese uh, cover art, but on the silver uh, piece of tape on the top of the game, it was called Gulf War. <laughs> so <laughs> this game, I've always I knew it as Gulf War because when you start the game, they even uh, went into the into the code and just completely removed Konami and the name Jackal. So you just got those three stripes um, that you get from the Jackal title screen. And so <laughs> we were, I used to play Gulf War. So that in itself, like, was very inspirational. That was like Look, the three big, stripes big. is so iconic because I mean any Joe fan knows those three stripes. Exactly, man. And I used to have this whole when I was a kid. I had this whole conspiracy theory that this was maybe a GI Joe game. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously we had no internet for me to be able to confirm this. So I also got David in on this because David was also like, yeah, this is probably a G.I. Joe Jeep game. Obviously or a G.I. Joe. <laughs> and like, yeah. <laughs> well, they do those character biogs in the front of Jackal. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. It's Tunnel Rat and it's probably Beachhead or I don't know, Zap. You know, those guys are so vividly drawn. But it's, you know, it's the usual suspects. I suppose you could draw analogs between that and the, the Howling Commandos or Sergeant Rock and Easy Company, that sort of thing. Sergeant Savage and the, whatever his guys were called, the Screaming Eagles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Hey, with the old Skadonk World War II plane. <laughs> um, I want to pick up that uh, P-40 Warhawk. No, I it's a cool plane when I'm being a... I'm being a tool, but it's a well. It's a got a cool gigantic plane. Gatling gun, extraneously hanging off the front end. But aside from that, yeah, it's nice. Nice to have a toyetic World War II era plane to play with, because you know your other alternatives are all those very realistic-looking scale replicas, and that kind of sucks the fun out when it's the size of a table. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Rob, you are so, oh, it's a video game. Yeah, so the second game that it's also tangentially, um, because yeah, I didn't I didn't have access to a lot of games before meeting Stephen. Um, is a game called Bomberman, which I actually knew absolutely nothing about. I just I don't even think it was called Bomberman. And in researching this now for when I was trying to find pictures and stuff for this episode, I didn't even realize actually he's a robot and he's trying to escape from a factory <laughs> that he's working at or something, and. Yeah. Well, That's something a surprise. I wanted to talk I about with was... Legend of, of, of Cage is like, we got these games so abstractly. Like yeah. if we had them at their first release in the mid-80s, they would have come in a box. They would have yeah, come with a manual. exquisitely like, designed and well-written manual to just really hold the suspension and disbelief very highly. Completely sell it to you. Like, Absolutely. I mean, we that's why got like, these... Seeing... The cover art is so incredible. so blatantly yeah like none yeah, of that no idea. it's just you open the game and there it is <laughs> you're a ninja Crude. and you're running around fighting weirdly shaped animals essentially i think that's what i always thought they were but apparently these are actually the security guards in the factory that are trying to prevent bomberman the that robot he was a ninja? from escaping i thought he was a ninja because it's like some kind of anime robot too. To me, he looks like a, he always looked like a ninja because of the the, the kind of the, the covering below his eyes. We could see was the eyes. He kind of had like this cool like white and blue outfit that he wore. To me, he was a ninja. 
uh, I don't know why he dropped bombs. He was called Bomberman. He was a ninja. <laughs> it's probably because he had to like the meanest farts, man. Probably that's that's probably what it was. But with this game, I mean, with the previous game, kind of was very vehicle based. This game was 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 character based, and and it definitely influenced my 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 love of explosions, and and kind of like chaining things together and just kind of like trying to escape from a place. And it was a lot of fun to play. I always remember trying to like trying to like out outsmart where these guys are going, try and blow up as many bad guys as possible. So I think this influenced a lot my, I suppose more, it's once again, it's more of a tactical thing. It's like, how do you get through this as fast as possible and as efficiently as possible? And just the explosions were fantastic. The way that it, the, the explosions interacted with the, with the characters themselves and the way that you could literally chain explosions together, like using different bombs and you kind of like blow up as many guys as possible to see how quickly you can finish the game. Um, but once again, a very esoteric and I suppose uh, tangential connection to like actual gameplay. It's more like influence of, of ideas, I think, more than it is actual gameplay that kind of like came in and was like, this is the, you know, this is the, the way that you're going to be playing games. I think a lot of the, the games that influenced me more came a little bit later on um, after meeting Steven and being getting access to his many NES games um, and the PC games as well. So there, there are definitely a few other ones that I think will feel more direct. In yeah, the, in look, we're not going to get into the Doom and oh, no, Modern no, Conquer no, 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 sure. generations <laughs> of gaming. This is the very rudimentary stuff, but like, yeah, yeah, those it things feels, were but it's, it's like influences massive. your your young mind. Um, and definitely six, seven, eight, nine years old me. Uh, these are what kind of like like impacted me the most. I mean, there's a lot of other games, um, but I think these were the two main ones that kind of like I remember playing the most of and really having a great time with. Matt Comstock in the Bergforce says Desert Strike is still a favorite. Absolutely. Bloody hell. Desert Strike. What is the Jungle Strike? Um, that Oof. game was also a lot of fun. So cool. Jungle Strike. Whoa. <laughs> is that going to be yeah. your next one? It's one of them, definitely. This mm. game, and this segues really nicely because Jungle Strike and Desert Strike for me changed uh, my G.I. Joe missions from uh, your mission is to just literally kill everybody to like go and save this person and go and drop off this here and you know go and pick this up there to take low it armor else and kill people pick there up that, with... pick up that box it'll give you shield <laughs> pick up that box it'll give you did you start having like a a fuel shortage sort of play pattern yes i used to do that as well like oh no we're gonna go down and then like you know to jump out and stuff and and the helicopter i used was some uh, I'm sure you guys uh, had them as well. They did these really beautiful die-cost uh, jets and helicopters at one stage that you could find at like uh, all the stores. Uh, it was like CNA in particular. Um, mm. And I used to have this metal... Uh, it I, I always wished it was an Apache, but it was a... Um, what is that? The one before the Apache? It's kind of... I, I want to say it's a Tiger. Uh, the Tiger 2 or whatever it was. I, I can't remember now. Like, I'm sorry. Like... But Look, before it looks the like Apache the Apache is just was skinnier. Was yeah. the, the Huey Cobra. Yes, thank you. That's what it was. Uh, no, but... It, yeah, but it looked... Anyway, it's we Are got it as a micro-machine as well. The Comanche. 
no, which was the Comanche experimental. came after <laughs> the, the Apache, but well, came after inverted commas. But uh, yeah, so I used to run around with that thing, you know, and a Harrier because <laughs> I had a Harrier, mm. one of those metal Harriers, and that was. And I mean, it is too small. I mean, if I have to give it a scale, it'll probably be like uh, close to one to seventy-two scale-ish kind of size for the jets and the helicopters. And yeah, so that was also another way of like changing the scale because uh, at the time I didn't have any kind of G.I. Joe helicopter. It would be a while um, before the Locust came into my life, which would, and then the um, Fang uh, that I would meet David with. So, well, yeah, no, I lie. Um, David had the Fang, but when I was playing at home, I didn't have any G.I. Joe helicopter. So yeah, I'd use my metal ones um, or my metal Harrier jet, which, and I would even sort of foe the angle. You know, like, try to, like, sort of, instead of being behind the jet when I was, like, flying around with the helicopter, I'd sort of, like, be looking down at it from, like, what I would deem as the isometric angle. <laughs> like, and then in my head, I don't, I don't know if you guys ever did this, but, like, I would try to use controls in my brain. Like, as in, you know, uh, stick forward for down, stick back for up, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I would try to think, I would try to get my brain around that a little. So yeah, Jungle Strike was a very, very good uh, kind of box uh, of, of gameplay that also used to be a G.I. Joe thing. But then also, guys, the inverse also used to happen. I used to like imagine that this was G.I. Joe and that I mm. was the Joes flying a Comanche around or driving the hovercraft or whatever's in this game. And I did the same thing with Jackal as well because I thought it was the G.I. Joes. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes I'd be like, uh, even with Contra, like I would uh, put the GI Joes over the the Contra dudes, and there was a very cool knockoff cartridge, and I don't know if you guys ever got it. It was called GI Joe Five. Then, if you remember GI Joe Five, no, I mean, not GI Joe Five, Contra Five. It was called Contra, Contra Five. Five, Contra Maybe? Five, and basically it was Contra, Bull and Lance, um, and they would replace the GI Joe sprites. <laughs> I don't and would run around and would run around like basically it was just Contra 1 but it had been like mishmashed with pieces of the first G.I. Joe game it was bizarre I need to play this game I that would love good. I would have loved it uh, I would have still had it today if they had not broken into my house because I got G.I. Joe 5 because I was like this is very weird Contra Mom, buy it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Contra 5 um, and then, yeah, and then there was also uh, a G.I. Joe knockoff as well, which wasn't G.I. Joe at all, but, yeah, uh, I can't remember what the game was that it was meant to be, but it also, like, they just switched the sprites out, so it had, like, the Duke sprite, is it the Duke sprite from the second G.I. Joe game, and he would replace some other character, and you would also run around and shoot stuff. I think it was very randomly Street Fighter twenty. Or Street Fighter 2000 or something like that, where they just switched out the dude with, like, Duke or something. I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, crazy times. <laughs> um, made in China. Rob, have Hell you got yeah. any more game uh, influences or... I, I would say... That? Okay. Um, <laughs> the last one, which I think would probably be the most influential, or at least the most that kind of feels like a game, and it's a game that I played before Stephen and... Uh, introduced me to Street of Rage was Double Dragon, which Ooh, I think so is very much in the vein of um, Street of Rage, where basically it's a beat em up, you're running around, you're punching dudes in the face, 
Um, it's very, very rudimentary. But I, I remember having a lot of fun playing the game. And it was cool because it was, it was one of the one of the few games that I wasn't playing that where it was kind of like a 3D or, or like a top-down view. Yes. Finally, you were actually going you know, left to right. I mean, you know, I mean, there's like Super Mario and stuff like that. But um, you're going left to right, you're beating up a bunch of people, and then you slowly, and that's how you progressed through the game itself. Um, it's really straightforward uh, concept. Um, but I remember it being a lot of fun. And it just introduced like different items that you could use while you played the game. And it, it felt, I think, a lot more varied than, say, the other two games. And it felt more directly like what I would end up doing in games, you know, beating people up and throwing them with things. Um, and it was definitely a very early influence. And one of, those, one of the games that was quite often on those um, uh, bootleg cartridges was Double Dragon. And uh -huh. I definitely, I remember having a lot of fun with this one. It's, I like it's, the second it's, one. It's weird. I don't think I I've ever played Double the Dragon. second one. I've only ever played the, the first one. Double Dragon 2 is so good. Bimmy and Jimmy. <laughs> like I, I think in the end, like if the games were too difficult, I didn't get very far with them. I wasn't the best of, of players when it came to like overcoming difficulty. So that's why I didn't um <laughs> I didn't play it's like a lot of Contra. Contra was tough. To me it was I think a very I very saw Alistair beat Double Dragon Two once in my life and it was oh. it was spiritual. I was like, Oh my word, <laughs> you're actually going to complete a Nintendo game. Oh, <laughs> incredible! Yeah, Double I think I, yeah. Mainly, my experiences were just playing games. Cool. You know, just it's just to pass time. There was no like I wasn't trying to finish games. I think finishing games came later with um, with games where there was like a definite beginning, not beginning, middle, end, but there was kind of like especially the later story-based games. Like um, on PlayStation, yeah. there was um, Metal Gear. There was Siphon Filter was another one, um, and earlier PlayStation ones. I think like Tomb Raider and stuff like that, where they where they started really introducing stories to kind of um, progress the gameplay when it wasn't just about the arcade experience from the earlier games. Um, where obviously it was just, you, you're playing the game as, as much as, you know, the gameplay is designed to make you play it and play it and play it and, and lose fairly easily so that you can keep putting money into those machines. Sorry. Um, <laughs> But games made specifically for consoles, I think, often did have more story-based gameplay. And it was those later ones, I think, that influenced at least my, my penchant for, like, uh, wanting to, like, be very story... I wanted to say stoietic. I, don't, I know that's not a word, but um, <laughs> story-based. Um, whenever I, I did end up making games, it was, it was very wordy, I feel, more than it was uh, entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm... <laughs> Like Double Dragon, sorry guys, because you, you're touching a lot on like my childhood here a lot with the video games. Um, I mean, Rob, I'm gonna I'm gonna call bullshit on you, dude. Like I think, I think you played Double Dragon too, man. Do you think so? I do not. I do not recall us having access to Double Dragon. Maybe I did play Double Dragon too. I really mm. feel like it was Double Dragon though. Double Dragon two. Mm. Now there's. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a. Actually, look that yep. different. Yes, they're very oh, yes. different. And you can play two-player co-op at the same time. And yeah, a bit of trivia for you on that one. Most people in South Africa that I know play Double Dragon on a PC um, because Double Dragon 1 on NES was not something that you found here uh, often or easily. So 
Um, I've got the cartridge, people... the NES cartridge of Double Dragon 1. But um, I only wow. ever played the co-op. I mean, not the co-op, the versus mode. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, always, it's always Steven who remembers things better than I remember them myself. Yes, actually, now that I'm looking at um, gameplay from the second game. <laughs> so I finished this game. I recognized the gameplay from the first one. I'm sure I played it. Um, but obviously, it's very it's Serena. Go and beat up Serena. Oh, yes, loser. Serena. You're supposed to okay, hit no, them on the, uh, off the ladder. They look so similar, though. They must have. It must have Some... been very uh, small changes between the first and the second game. Well, mm. the the main thing is two player co op at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Which is great, and you could hurt each other. Yes. Amazing. You can't. That, that was always. Or if you play B mode, yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, there was a the difference. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, B mode is hard mode. Well, hard mode as in you can hit each other. A, uh, if you play two-player A mode, you won't hurt each other. Guys, this is one of the first games I finished on this. Uh, a, a girl who Incredible. used to live in my neighborhood. Her name was Laura. Cool. Her and I used to play this two players and we finished this. Uh, uh, playing two players and we were all of like seven years old. Well, we boo. It. Alistair so, feels so less special now. But Rob, tell us about <laughs> how It doesn't make the game any easier. The it was way tough. you played... How did you? How did this influence the way you play with action figures, man? I think it was like it felt like there was a story going on. Like the the mm. characters were moving through zones, through places, trying to get to a goal. More so than than the other kind of like top down games, where it was more like you know you you knew you were in a stage. This felt like a world that you're in and that you're traversing. And I think because the very next stage takes place inside a helicopter, yeah. Which is pretty rad i think we oftentimes <laughs> yeah we would we would then make a kind of a scene out of the transitionary vehicle so if we got into a transport plane or a transport yeah, you helicopter you didn't have to or get a tank, to the place. you could do something before you got there as well we did a scene yeah exactly there could be a fight scene or just a discussion or just a bit of downtime like where the characters reflected before the next part of the mission and this Double Dragon game, I think, was the first to give us that that idea. Yeah, even more so than like like later games. Oh my mm -hmm. goodness, it is the second one. I really thought it was the first oh, one. Like I no, was looking at the about. gameplay and I was like, I'm sure it's this. But now looking at the second one, yeah. You see, Stephen remembers everything better than I. <laughs> he absolutely has a much better memory than I do. So this is why I rely on him for everything. <laughs> I have one I more, put... guys. And oh, I cool. To... I yeah, I've got two more, roll... but I can roll them into one. So... Oh, my hey. goodness. We'll <gasps> round you out. But, um, you, well, I, I dropped a, a hint. I, I, I tipped my hand earlier. <laughs> so For the YouTube watchers, you, you saw him. <laughs> and Paul blabbed. But Bionic Ooh. Commando showed me a way to integrate characters with removable hands. You know, we were always fans of how Spider-Man Spider could traverse levels with his web shooters, or Batman had <clears throat> grapple hook launches. Well, if you had a battle android trooper, or Overkill, or Bats version 2 from 1991 as I did, this was a way to have a very kinetic exciting way of like grappling onto things by using that removable hand mm. and that was such a huge um impetus or uh incentive for me to choose that character 
and it was mm. Bionic Commando and that cool way of like, like swinging from um, platform to platform. That was a really, really cool aspect. So yeah, so, so Bionic Commando, love that game. It's yeah, actually shit. something I only played much later on in my life. Eh? I never had any exposure to it until I was, uh, until I considered myself to be a quote-unquote gamer and was yeah. very much into going back and playing a lot of retro stuff. But Bio Bionic Commando is very cool, and I can definitely see how it would translate into like GI Joe play. I mean, easily or Cobra play. Look, it was a lot of like science fiction-esque games, which would allow me to use overkill or the Battle Ender Trooper as antagonists and protagonists, because they mm. were fairly minor players in G the G.I. Joe world. But in a sort of a science fiction reimagining, all of a sudden they could be your mains, or they could be your key supporting characters, like, like your C-3PO to your Luke Skywalker could be mm. overkill, as it was in um, our game, which we loosely called the Renegades. I played as uh, Cesspool, renamed him Scarface and his second in command was Overkill yeah. and Overkill would have these massive mid-air combats using his grapple hand you know giant robots from the 70s style you know shoot your fist off <laughs> only this fist <laughs> was connected via like a, a metallic cable which would allow him to like zzz, you know zoom up buildings and stuff like that very, very cool. Very enjoyable. I felt kind of sorry for the people I was playing with who didn't have characters who could do that. Because <laughs> all of their combat was very one-dimensional. And mine was like soaring through the skies. And like well, it, theirs would wrap up the entire scene seconds, so much more interesting. And I was still like flying through the air and you guys were like still busy. Or you guys were done already and I was still chewing up minutes of playtime <laughs> with my epic fight <laughs> well you, I, you it certainly allowed you to be a lot more creative and, and i think we often finished quicker so that we could actually just watch you <laughs> <laughs> after all these years i didn't need playmates i needed an audience <laughs> and now thanks to play motion that's exactly what i have i have no playmates and i have a huge a, audience well a, a modest audience Boo -hoo 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 -hoo. Nice. Dry my <laughs> eyes on my view count. <laughs> we, we're going to be in the same city very soon. Um, we, we definitely have to take some toys out and teach Elliot how to play with them. Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yes. So um, I just want to show our list, uh, well, show the viewers on the YouTube version what um, was pretty much the console most of us had this is a knockoff of a famicom um this is this is actually a little bit nicer than than a lot of the ones that you saw here um yeah you could locally. actually put the uh, the cartridges onto the console no i didn't have something like this mine was like a big uh it was like either green like or, or yellow or some weird weird color Mm. I know it is a very strange color, the console itself. But yeah, you would, so, you would pop the, con the, the the things on the top. I remember that yeah. much. And that's right. And this you would, because this, this has got its little gray flap is down where the cartridge slot is to protect it from dust. But uh, yeah, my first console, my first NES knockoff or Famicom knockoff looked like this pretty much. And um, 
Yeah, Ghosts and Goblins was my first game. And so my parents, I, I, I suppose in some kind of um, need to control the video gaming thing, were like, I could only get new games if I finished the games that I had. So Interesting. I finished Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, that was that was a thing. Um, and then Tiger Heli doesn't really end, but it does like sort of cycle over again. So I had to show my mom that it did that. So I did that with Tiger Heli. <laughs> and then and then I was able to get like new games, Can't which I got from. Mom. <laughs> but then you, you see, but that's what started making me like kind of catch on and be wise about the whole thing. And that's why I used to get into like story games. So a lot of the games that I would get as a kid would be things like, um, you know, the G.I. Joe game, for example, the Ninja Turtles, the Rockman titles, uh, Batman. Shit, Batman was tough. Um, Ikari Warriors was another one. Um, uh, sorry, I'm just like digging into my, my memory banks here. Something called Totally Rad. All the games that actually had like, you know, sequential stages that weren't just like recolors. They were actually, you know, new stages with new oh, enemies. Like Tetris, Castlevania. Yeah, Castlevania, TMNT. So I got great memories of, uh, of the TMNT that Steve was showing off now. And actually, they've just done something called the Kawabunga Collection, which is actually a collection of all the retro uh, TMNT games done up until uh, the Mega Drive uh, Super Nintendo era. Um, and wow, like I'm dying to get my hands on it. I'm just waiting for it to arrive as a physical edition and then I'll Radical. have it in my possession to play. Radical indeed. But another big game for me that was a huge influence was the Top Gun game. Mm. And you guys uh, mentioned, one of you guys touched on the fact that we just got this game. We didn't have a manual or booklet or anything that came with it. And Top Gun, if you ever had Top Gun, well, you suffered for not having the manual because landing your plane, uh, most of the time you would... I don't think I ever would... landed. <laughs> yeah, and there's a good reason for it. There's a there. whole complicated Be process. Because, exactly, because when you were told to pull up and pull down and all that stuff, actually what it was asking you to do is decelerate, you know? And huh. the way you would do that is you'd have to... I think you have to press select and uh, and down or something like that um, so that you can slow your actual plane down and then you could land and the first level would they'd usually give you the first landing as a gimme but it's usually usually the second landing that you'd like completely like you know smash yeah I, hit, I don't um, think I ever went through two stages <clears throat> I just have fun until I I could I was like oh yeah they're trying to ask me to land that's the end of that and guys, my, I might be a little bit like lost on the details of exactly what it is that you have to do, but they do tell you exactly in the manual how to do it. So if you had the manual, you could land in Top Gun. It wasn't difficult. It was just all of us with the like knockoffs that the knock couldn't do it for yeah. shit. But yes, this was um, sometimes for my jet missions in G.I. Joe, because you know, I'd be like, okay, cool, I'm going to fly into a jet mission. So I'd switch, switch on the nest quickly and do like... I play a little bit of Top Gun, you know, and then crash the plane and be like, okay, cool, carry on, ground mission out, <laughs> you know. So Top Gun was definitely a big, uh, like, sort of video game uh, inspiration to, to how I played with my G.I. Joes because I actually played the video game as part of playing with my G.I. Joes. So that was a good thing too. So that's pretty much it for me. I, um, uh, I'm scared that the next, if I mention any other games, we start changing uh, generations of gaming. But... I think it's safe to say, guys, I think Metal Gear Solid, we've all said it before on the show, I think Metal Gear Solid was a huge influence in how we view our G.I. Joes today as well. Oh, for Never sure. mind just how we yeah. played with them. Um, 
and in a lot of ways metal gear was kind of gi joe just um distilled to like basically one character with very interesting bosses and a very interesting scenario but felt like a lot of the framework of gi joe lived within metal gear and obviously yes i'm very well aware of the metal gear solid or metal gear games on the nes but uh I don't yeah. think we ever got those. The first time I ever played that one, the ones on the NES, was the, with the special edition of Metal Gear Solid 3. Subsistence. Yes. Mm. And it's a very and good emulator version. Maybe existed that. before that. Yeah, I had a Japanese version of um, Metal Gear, of the first Metal Gear. And okay. I didn't know what the hell was cooking on that thing. And unfortunately, my games were stolen. It's quite sad. It's like about two months before I met David, they robbed our house and they stole my my famicom knockoff and all my games so like i would try to explain this game to david because you know david's my new asian friend so clearly he can read everything that's like asian you know because i'm like a dumb <laughs> eight-year-old and you know you have to learn the yeah but you have to learn these things as well you know you're you don't, silly little you know, eight-year-old boy. when you're like when you're a kid you don't realize that there's different types of you know Asian languages, you, you know, because everything is Chinese, you know, you know how it is. So, you know, I learned and yeah, so that was one game that I never got to show David. And when I eventually did see Metal Gear, I was like, Dave, you know, that one military game I kept telling you about, yeah, that was the one. He's like, oh, wow, that's so cool. You know, and oh, that yeah. was it. Speaking of Dave, I actually well, saw him today. <laughs> wonderful. Did you guys reminisce about the old times? Did he ask you, where did my tomahawk go, Paul? <laughs> no, that's not David's tomahawk. That's Michael Kerrigan's tomahawk. And if he listens oh, to the no show way. and he like wants to call me up about it, I'd love to have that conversation. Because Why? he came and picked it up later. Well, his mom did. Anyway. You know um, what that feels like to me? It feels like when um, the bride kills Vanita Green and then her <laughs> yeah. daughter comes into the room. And uh, she yeah. says, like, if you still feel bitter about this, come see me in 10 years time or something like this like yeah. paul is this going to be a feud a bad <laughs> feud not at all no, you and and is cool. besides he owes me he owes me one or two he lost quite a few of my gi joes that i borrowed to him so i think we're on equal footing um did i mention that's a kill bill reference to yeah, hell yeah there's kill bill reference everyone no, we, we got you man <laughs> so let's put a pin in our video game conversation i think it's fair to say that video games had a profound influence on the way we played with G.I. Joe and continued to have a profound influence and to this day still does. So drop down in the comments. Let us know your influences in the pixels to play. But uh, let's move the agenda to a little bit of latest breaking. Higher toys, snake eyes. Mm. Ooh. Very I don't cool. know if uh, it's ooh for me. I'm not sure. Well, <laughs> I've seen some really good higher toys. Um, we've actually at our shop we've stocked a, a, a bunch of the um, predators, the xenomorph and the predators, and they're really yeah. fantastic. I, I mean, I haven't pulled the trigger on any of, any of them yet, so I can't uh, speak to the quality, you know, and the durability of the figures. But they do look really good, and they definitely are to scale with um, at least with the modern era figures for sure. And I think they do complement the modern era figure line very well. I've and... got a funny... Oh, yeah. Sorry, Rob. Yeah. No. And yeah. <laughs> I got a funny feeling that even though they're going to be of a similar scale, I think the proportions are going to be kind of different. Like, I, I mean, 
Duh. But uh, I just think that if you put one of these next to a modern era Joe, I think you're going to see a few unique quirks to the higher toys. Like I, I'm getting a feeling that we're going to get much wider shoulders. Well, you know what I mean? The much wider uh, trapezoid area on the shoulders. Mm. <laughs> um, like That's just the vibe I'm getting from that. Uh, and I've got a feeling that the legs somehow are going to be skinnier uh, when we see it like compared to a modern era figure. But I'm kind of curious about this line. I'm not going to lie. They, their pricing is very good. And that was, uh, and I only found that out because Steve actually told me what they, they're looking to retail at. And that is they're like $19 um, around there. $19. Yeah, and 99 cents. And 99 yeah, cents. <laughs> which is which is cool you know at least they're not trying to flog these things off to us at like 30 dollars or 40 dollars and like premium no, collectible blah 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 they're bullshit. basically making them it's, it's comparable to the other toys that they sell in, in in their in their range and they all all come with a nice selection of uh, accessories too and with, mm. with snake eyes it looks like he comes with a fantastic array of weapons yeah and like he definitely comes with better weapons than he's uh than his classified counterpart. Uh, I mean, the fact what? that he's got an Uzi for one is just that's, and his knife looks so much cooler than the classified knife. I mean, like this knife is a smaller scale and it looks better. It's crazy, you know. That's higher toys for you, I think. It's um, higher toys. Although they still mean, made this, like, mm. and and I think this is what I said to you guys when I first saw this was, they definitely cribbed off the same homework. You know, you know when you like. You didn't do your homework and you quickly ask your buddy and you copy his homework before class <laughs> starts. <laughs> Higher Toys has totally done that because they made some of the same mistakes that the classified have. Like that effing sword on his back is still pointed the wrong way for it to be an effective weapon to draw. I mean, it's on his back. Okay, let's just, let's just like suspend all disbelief, please. But like it's on his back. He's going to pull the sword out. Now he's going to pull the sword out like kind of backwards. And then he's got it. It's just, it's just stupid. It looks oh, really now dumb. That I'm I hate the picture properly. Yeah, like, so it's, it's irritating. Kind of like it's facing. It's just, the way that they've pictured it is it's coming. The hilt is near his yeah. right shoulder, but the way that the the sword is fitted into the scabbard, actually, it should be pulled out from the other side. I Correct. Think. Yes, the, the beak the of the of the the beak of the um, sort of because it is actually meant to be an eagle. Yeah. is meant to be pointing upwards, not downwards. So, hey, well, I've got to say is... something. I've been <laughs> abusing the microphone with my shitty voice, but you've been clicking your mouse, and now you're rubbing something. Please. I'm not rubbing please. anything. I'm not touching <laughs> yeah. nothing, dude. That wasn't me at all. <laughs> touching. I've been, Who's rubbing? I've been here the whole time. I've got nothing. I'm like floating. There's like nothing happening. <laughs> you shouldn't be picking up anything. <laughs> Rob, I know I clicked earlier. It might be me. What, what sure it could I... be is that there is background noise in, in my area. Um, and I am quite near our window. So what you mm. could be picking up is, is people slamming windows or doors. Uh, so just I do apologize off. to our listeners. Or, you know, they're, rubbing uh, one out. They're rubbing off to us. Um, uh, I was starting to worry that maybe <laughs> my headset's mic was on or something and that my hair kept no, swishing no, on it. But I just double-checked that. Otherwise, my dude. His oh. lustrous locks. But look, <laughs> the sheath... Too broad. And oh, no, no, for sure. It looks really weird. Snake Eyes is a tricky one. I mean, it's the obvious one to do right off the gate, but in terms of the proportions, yes, the legs do look skinny, 
But then again, Snake Eyes is supposed to be sleek and skin tight. Like if they went with a Destro or a, I don't know, more like someone in their OD greens, like a Grunt or a Stalker, uh, who would have like more baggy pants, then we might see better leg proportions. So I'm going to hold off judgment call till that. Um, this is the tricky thing. It's, you know, it's designed to be four inch modern. Will it fit in with your existing four inch modern GI Joe action figures? Mm. Or will this be its own thing? I'm going to say the latter. These are your scaled down classifieds. And that is what they're meant to be. They're a niche little mini collection, a subset, if you will. They're not meant to mesh with what Hasbro's offering in the four-inch modern thigh gaps. arena. Thigh gaps. There is some weirdness. Alternate hands, which modern four-inch Hasbro offerings do not possess. And something which that really is always tricky at the scale. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Look, I'm not ever mad about hands, bases, and blast effects. Give me weapon accessories. Mm. Give me more, like more stuff. Don't give me that shit. I'm not into that. I'm I'm all about bases, blast effects, and swappable hands. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is wrong with that. Exactly. But, that's why you guys are friends. You know, have you guys seen the Uzi? Cody Scalf pointed out to me that the Uzi um, must be pretty flexy because in the one one shot it's quite bent. Yeah. I, like that shot that we're looking at now, yeah, definitely. Mm. Also, it's kind of refreshing to see the, um, you know, the the torso cut to make the figure bend forward and backwards on the classified is absent on this toy, and it really does improve the overall look of this figure, like in a big way. It actually it puts new lights on this on this guy for me because there's one mistake that they haven't fixed, or there's two there's two issues I have with the classified design that are still. Um, in this version as well, but at least that cut in the torso. The Arashikage necktie. Well, that's one of them that bugs me, but that's like, that's easy to fix. The thing that bugs me quite a bit is you see how he's, um, uh, where his abs are, where he's, um, uh, what are those called? His oblique muscles. That's, uh, just above your hip bones. See how that like it, cu it curves into the, the torso. So it looks, makes it look like his hips, like he's got a giant nappy. I hate that, and it's on the classified version as well, and freaking annoys the crap out of it. It looks so bad, and to my eye, some people seem, a lot of people don't seem to have an issue with it. I, I take serious issue with it, and I hate that that's been translated into this figure, although it does speak of the fact that it's got uh, articul uh, articulation there, so that's, that's a pro. It's like a negative and a positive in the same breath, and then if obviously the whole scabbard thing. Kind, though, about proportion issues. You need to bear in mind this is a four-inch figure. Like tasty photography like this fools the eye into believing that it's a larger thing than it is. So your scrutiny levels are dialed up to the same degree you'd have with a classified figure or even like a sideshow. Mm. But if you see one day in the first quarter of 2023 when we have these in hand and you're scrutinizing it as a tiny little four-inch guy with all that detail, I think we're going to give it a lot more rope. This oh, might agreed. just be the next oh, no, thing to Hasbro Modern Era. This might be quite cool, quite collectible. 
and very much for adults because I think higher toys might have a higher fragility threshold. <laughs> yeah, mm. or should we no, say I lower think so fragility too. That's why, as threshold. I said, they look they look a little bit more fragile because they are very thin. All of their figures feel thin to me. At least they look a little bit more. I mean, they're not fantastically portioned. You know, they are more realistically portioned. I feel, especially the uh, even the predator figures. Um, so it would be interesting to kind of get someone in hand, uh, one of these figures in hand, actually just see what they really feel like. Like, can you play with them nicely, or they literally just tiny little statues? You know, which I hope they aren't. I, I, I hope that they are actually proper toys. But and more if it's, rugged, if, yeah, yeah, but more rugged. And if Snake Eyes is a success, hopefully they, you know, they can expand their line because they've they've been constantly doing new um, predators and new aliens, expanding not just alien xenomorphs but the the characters in their spacesuits. So they do Robocop, Robocop as well. Judge Dread, an entire range of Judge Dread characters. So they do introduce and a lot need of we mention the vehicles. Mm. Higher Toys did that phenomenal APC for their Aliens yes. line. Oof. So the possibilities with G.I. Joe suddenly become very exciting. Very, very exciting. I think they can do a lot of really good stuff. because And they, and they recognize what's cool about each brand, I think. I mean, that, that was obviously something that people would want to have. And, and, uh, and it worked. They sold it. And I think... Yeah, higher toys. I'm very curious to see where they'll go with G.I. Joe as a brand. Well, it's been speculated that since they did the classified snake eyes, they're going to stay in that aesthetic, which is mm. effectively like a dead aesthetic at this point because Hasbro classified has gone very, like, it's gone true back to the to vintage. The yeah. yeah. So it has been speculated, and I'll full credit to full force for this speculation, but what if we started seeing classified designs that never made it into classified like mm. the way they were going to take storm shadow storm originally shadow. yeah had that face mask and like a sleeve of arm tattoos <laughs> so maybe maybe higher toys is going to crib classified well, they could be cribbing it tent. or yeah i mean but that could be interesting <clears throat> they're kind of like forging their own identity i mean yes it's cribbing what classified was doing originally but then they're kind of sticking to or what they were going to do before yeah. they course corrected and decided that everything that saw uh, use in Operation Blackout is <laughs> tainted. Leave that <laughs> shit in the gutter. <laughs> Goodbye. I like the sci-fi design from that, though. Oh, there's plenty of Quarchy. cool designs. I bet yeah. you like Baroness with purple hair, too. Hell I yeah. don't. I, right. love <laughs> I, I love it. No sarcasm so much. It's done. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just, yeah. Um, in terms of vehicles, I wonder if higher toys could finally give us a Cobra transport helicopter. Has that got enough pull for them to, to try it? Maybe, maybe they're looking for an excuse to do a cool helicopter figure. And that's just the one that, oh, a helicopter toy. And that's just the one mm. that seems to be, you know, uh, on their they sites. They're totally... like, Hey, cool. We're getting licensing money. So let's do this. No. They will totally eat Hasbro's lunch if they can get the green light to do that. <laughs> uh, I'd love to see it happen. To be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of modern Hasbro these days. So um, the fact that G.I. Joe's license has been spread over all these alternate companies delights me no end. <laughs> 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 but you make such a good point about 
um, it being a smaller figure and, you know, like how, you know, we, we're putting it under the same scrutiny we would with like, for example, a classified figure. Although I'm willing to bet well, that if you photograph the same. Yeah, well, that, yeah. yeah, but that's the thing, right? I'm willing to bet if you put a classified figure, because this is obviously f smaller, so you need, a, you, know, you need to zoom in a little bit more and do a few more things. I can tell you now that the classified figures, the paint jobs don't hold up as well as this one, as this higher toys uh, figures paint job holds up. And that's something I will comment on with higher toys, is their actual production uh, toys, their paint jobs are very good. Uh, like very, <laughs> the word very they love to use is exquisite. Mm. <laughs> the exquisite they paint really job. Word. All the, the bloody figures. press releases say exquisite. Exquisite. Most exquisite. But it's nice that we finally actually got to see um, what's coming from Higher Toys instead of just, you know, like a random promotional image. So, oh, I'm yeah, super I'm excited. excited to see what they release next in Hell terms yeah. of uh, promotional images. Oof. Make it happen. It's nice Oof. to see a new, new player in town who is yeah. doing articulation thank Upset you the established order mm. <laughs> um yeah and then on toy news uh is there anything else that's exciting that gi joe has announced for us to get excited about that maybe i've missed or that rob's missed steve have you seen anything else in the in the world no no. no. I thought that was leading towards like Paul Oops on the revealing like no. Mattel is making G.I. Joe figures now for Ken and Barbie. I've, yeah, I've talked enough. Amazing. I've <laughs> tortured everyone enough with um, new releases. Um, <laughs> what I do want to shout out at this point is our good buddy Zazel Phoenix has just announced his GoFundMe for Joe Fest 2023. Uh. He is dying to meet his childhood hero, Sergeant Slaughter, and be put into that delightful Cobra Clutch. Though <laughs> they've kind of got a bromance going, so I imagine that Cobra Clutch could turn into a full-on hug. hug. I want to see it. I'm here for it. Link to the link to his GoFundMe will... will <laughs> this is hard enough when I don't... Link to the description voice. in the GoFundMe link below. Link to the GoFundMe. And me will be in the description below. Please consider throwing him some dollars. It's a very achievable goal, and it would be very, very cool if we could send him on his way. And it was magical for us. I mean, I would, I would wish that for anybody. So Absolutely. if you, you know, and if you guys actually meet his hero, I mean, I don't think there is a bigger Sergeant Slaughter hero fan in the entire world. And I think and the fact that these two guys not only are they like, not only is it a case of like fan and idol but they do genuinely have a friendship now so yeah i just got to circle back to the fact that it would be so wonderful to see these two men in each other's company so yeah, yeah man if you if you want a, a feel-good story for your 2023 please consider checking out his gofundme it's currently running now now do it now fund him now <laughs> oh yeah Speaking of new things, has anyone gotten anything new this week? Uh, gray hair. <laughs> oh, wow. Gray hair. No, I'm, I'm kidding, man. Um, <laughs> no, th nothing, nothing G.I. Joe related has uh, come in. Nothing G.I. Joe or toy related has come into my life uh, this week. 
Uh, and that's not for lack of, you know, trying, obviously. You no, definitely I'm kidding. tried. I almost bought, uh, I saw a He-Man. So the He-Man from the retro range at um, yes. Toy Kingdom. I almost got him. But then I was like, I already own this He-Man. I own the original. No, you should get him again. That's what you can play with. <laughs> I can play with the original one. I mean, this one, I would, what was cool, I was seeing actually close up because I didn't look at these, like, you know, re, like scrutinize them. But it's cool that they have more articulation than the originals, mm. but they look like the originals. So I was, I was really close to putting the trigger, but I was like, oh, what am I going to do with the He-Man? You know, you're going to play with it, man. My... You're going to go bish-bosh <laughs> of, all over your <laughs> table and go bish-bosh. going to punch my spawn man. figure or something. I don't know. You're gonna run, run up to all your week. run up to all of your Joes <laughs> and be like, "Hey, dude!" <laughs> um, wow, Rob, that's actually that's super surprising. I was now, very I, close. I was so good because I was like, "It's the only one in the shop." The only characters they had then was um, the the weird green dragon vehicle, which came with Adam, I think. And, wow, they still uh, got that. Cool. And uh, here's the big Hordak. They had Hordak as well. As yeah, well as um, the, battle, the battle horse. They have the battle horse too. Oh, Stridor. Very cool. Yes. So I was very, very close, cool. but the, they had one He-Man. I was like, ah, maybe. Well, maybe. listen, if you do change your mind and that He-Man's disappeared, I can tell you now they're all over Joe Berg. I'd simply <laughs> need to walk into either a Toy Zone, a Toy Kingdom, no, a no, Toys R Us, be, or the spa no, to pick up a He-Man no, for has you. To be a, it has to be a spur of the moment thing. Okay. I no, I get you. I get you. But I can literally pick up a He-Man and a Skeletor from you for you from my local spa. I shit you not. Nah, nah. I, it's I, amazing. I, we only have, we, we have one guy in Hebrew here, and, and that's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I think like it's time for uh, our delightful segment called Postbox the Pit or Rob's Ooh. Loving Scoopful. Do you have any listener responses that you want to so, get into this week, Rob? Steve sounds so, so romantic. Sorry. It does, though, actually. Like, when Stephen gets sick, he gets really sexy. It's like, Steve, Rob, this move's loving. I'm battling here, but it wasn't so much the sickness as it was the fucking strepsils that my doctor wife gave to me. Now, I have the voice of my ENT back in South Africa screaming on my shoulder saying, never take strepsils if you have a cold because strepsils contain an anti um anti-inflammatory but also they are anti uh, what's the word mucoidal and anesthetic they contain oh. anesthetics oh, they put your voice to sleep they numb your vocal folds they numb the muscle yeah and makes up your voice and i then prompted to have a one-hour conversation with you paul and it was during that conversation that's all of a sudden, hang on, my voice Started is very dying. tired. That it was a cool challenge. Literally, literally, my voice was doing gymnastics, trying to fight oh, through man. this anesthetic, this coma that had been induced in my vocal folds. And that is why I have no voice. <laughs> okay, I'm a well, 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 let me talk for a little bit then. So, uh, episode 264 is Operation Recall. We went through all of the fantastic figures that are coming out from the uh, original creators, uh, or some of them, um, bringing them back. And there was a really cool comment. It's just quite a long one, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably paraphrase some of it, but I will read most of it. From a guy, from a username Yellow Hell. So he starts with, cool, epic pickup. Carson has confirmed supply chain and Luna have now been unlocked via backer kit. Going to make them bad is my cannon because they're South African. 
I think what is especially exciting about Operation Recall is the old creators returning and injecting characterization back into O-Ring. This really is the best elements of the best era of ARA continued and a new offshoot given the new storyline storylines and we'll see how it plays out. Then he kind of discusses how um, you could see as the as the toy line went along the kind of the characterization became weaker, um, the retreading of old characters and new decos, weak new characters and it seemed to lack new direction to explore via new strong personalities. And he rounds up his comments by saying, if you look at Toy Connections video with Mark, Carson, and Ron, they go into their creation process and how every figure is hand sculpted. And this level of detail returning is crucial to high quality figures. So instead of designing via a computer and creating one thing perfectly in terms of dimensions, angles, etc., the handcrafting creation process results in a more customized and detailed design. I went through and looked at my old Joes and sure enough, you can see the human touch in all of the little details. Nothing is quite modern, perfect, and is better for it. I would argue that something handcrafted is always better than something machine-made. Really looking forward to where these characters end up in physical and story form. And I think I think that is a big thing. Um, this is me talking now, end quote. <laughs> um, which, which makes these figures so cool and so new um, is that these are all new concepts, but they're created by veterans of the toy-making process, guys who were there at the start, who created toys in the biggest era of when toys were made originally and i absolutely agree with yellow hell that there are definitely a lot more details that you can see in earlier lines of the judges versus later ones um obviously we we absolutely adore all of the figures and the retreads i mean you know having a different version of a character is fantastic obviously not 100 versions of snake eyes but um i think definitely the earlier runs were definitely more cohesive um, and more, yeah, there's more of a human touch in there. And there's more of a someone making it, you know, to fit together more than, say, later lines when they're kind of just going for the money. And I think definitely Operation Recall is a, a return to that kind of like golden era of toy making. What do you guys think? Just the way that it's filtered through so many loving hands like these guys this is their passion man it's a passion project from the contributors people who offered up their ideas in the first place like these are like their quintessential like submissions to hasbro their dream projects their what-ifs so already there's love at the very base level and then it's going through all the old masters like each figure by the end of this process is going to be a very special achievement in and of itself which is precisely why we did that exercise last week of like distilling your your one or your three or mm. your seven four. if you're poor <laughs> <laughs> because each one of them like i've said this before but now that we have an unfettered amount of information as to how toys are produced and how much it costs to come up with tooling and how much design work goes into each facet. I've started calling each individual G.I. Joe action figure nothing short of a miracle. Mm. You have like, said this a few times, yeah. Yeah, man. Even the more lamentable ones, ones that are like your ice cream soldiers. Well, like, there are reasons <laughs> why they wind up being more undesirable than others. But like at some level... Someone was giving it their or absolute all, you know, and it was 
budgetary or meddling from the suits that wound up hurting the, the end product. Well, Operation Recall seems free of all of that bullshit, you know? Yeah. That's, mm. it's that's what special. makes me very positive about it. It's like they don't have any of these, like, you know, marketing kind of morons involved. When I say marketing, like Shane, marketing people are actually fine. It's just when they have a client that is a big <laughs> company like Hasbro, then then they become dumb. And There's then less that, you can do. It's more of yes. the, the people above. I think it's the, the same like in any diluted. industry, really. Like they have a certain way of how they want to do things, um, and they don't necessarily see the positives in how other people might want to influence it and make it more um, special. And I think... Well, Operation Recall case, is exceptionally special. Case in point, a lovely insight that Kirk Bozigian shared on an episode of Talking Joe was you've got to get the figure past the child, okay? So the card art has to be cool. The action figure has to be cool. But then you've got to get it past mom as well. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And so there has to be value. It has to be like, you could get this X-Man figure that comes with no accessories, or you could get this G.I. Joe that comes with all these guns attached to the tree so it looks more plastic on the blister yeah. and a spring-loaded thing and an action feature and a bio. Like, they had to make decisions based around getting it past not one, but two people. Mm. Yep. And how many times did we have to try... And I'm sure you guys did this, but how many times like did we sell figures to our parents? You know, we were like, "Hey, mom, check out this cool toy. Like, it's got all this, this, and this." And they'd be like, "Whatever." And, and then you'd like go and grab another figure, but like, but look at this other toy. It's so crap. This one's so much better, and it's only five rand more. <laughs> you know, and the inevitable question. <laughs> but what can it do? <laughs> and that must keep me quiet. To answer that question, I give you action features whether it's yep. pull back and go or punching action or multiple bio armor all those gimmicks were our credit <clears throat> our collateral to like play when we were asked but what does it do oh but mom it lights up and and it has play-doh has fisting action or whatever like <laughs> we'd have to sell the toy to our parents yeah so, absolutely yes. That's why things went the way they did in the 90s, because it was a harder sell. There's Kirk, so much stuff to choose from. Kirk mm. knew what he had to do to, to make G.I. Joe competitive. He made the deal with the devil <laughs> and moved it from being realistic model kits and accurate soldier men to being aliens and ninjas or with neon weapons on their trees. And I, and I still think he made a great call with that, honestly. I mean, we well, love, on this show, we love the, a lot of the, the 90s stuff. There were compromises. So. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. You know, like, I think there are definitely compromises made, but also there's a lot of stuff that, um, that, we, that, even, that, that we enjoy and that kids did enjoy from that era. Um, and, and we're definitely very happy to have our 90s toys. And we're definitely happy that we were influenced by fantastic video games that mm. allowed us to kind of explore... And give us He's ideas of He's how back. to play with our toys, you know. Yeah, I you love that. You don't need action features; you just needed video games. And now we got now now the video games have become the toys, which is so weird. 
you know it's fantastic it's absolutely like amazing. minecraft it's amazing and fortnite as our patrons thank you to every single person that contributes <laughs> to the production of the show every single month every single week we appreciate everyone you guys are amazing thank you for keeping the lights on as best you can uh you know against escom uh, trying to t- switch it off <laughs> and can we and can we tell people uh, uh well not can we i'm going to tell our patrons our patrons our bug force about the new features one of the newest features um new features yeah there's a new feature um oh my goodness uh, there's a new perk so to speak to being a, a bug force member uh i sent out a message uh, the other day asking for uh the members of the bug force to send me their birth dates so that we can celebrate your birthday in style by having you on the show as a guest. So that on, sounds cool. Yeah. So what's going to happen is if your birthday is you know close or well, not close to the show, if it's your birthday, then we're going to check if you want to be on the show, and then you can be our guest, and we can you can maybe you can participate in the topic or whatever. It's going to be crazy, and you can find all of that at Patreon. Uh, if you want to get involved? That's fine to do. Link it's is in the description awesome. below. For the low low pli- low low price of three dollars, my apologies. Plice. That's me just not uh, articulating my properly. For You're the low low rrrr. price of three dollars, yes, oh, you can be part of the bug force. Hans, next time, next time, fix your ferret brain. <laughs> fix your ferret brain, Hans. But I got your mail, so shot, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's actually a pretty cool thing, and you know, it allows us to also. It also diversifies our roster. It brings in a different voice. Uh, every now and then to the show that is not somebody that is famous or in the industry or whatever it's guys like you and me that just love playing with toys and listening to crazy guys like us talk about playing and with watching toys. great movies you know and watching great movies like megafart <laughs> <laughs> and on that uh <laughs> gaseous note <laughs> thank you mm. for joining us for another episode of gi Joe 265 from pixels to playtime i'm robert and i was joined by paul who is a lego transformers optimus prime survivor no i didn't buy it i said no i'm still here <laughs> to tell the tale and we and i was joined by uh, nails on a chalkboard steven <laughs> hopefully I'll once was a man <laughs> maybe he'll be better next week guys hopefully man may rule but snakes never <laughs> thanks for joining us see you next week stay safe Bye, out everybody. there guys stay alive Bye. You got this.